Thank you so much for listening to this pre-recorded episode of Pub Talk Live. To find out more about Pub Talk Live, including how you can watch live, go to pubtalk.live. Thank you so much to my Patreon podcast sponsors, Brenda Drake and The Shape of a Star podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the August 14th episode of Pub Talk Live. I just had to check the date. So that tells you how my week has been. Um, The live publishing talk show airing the second and fourth Saturday of every month at 9 p.m. Eastern. I am your host, Sarah Nicholas. I am a young adult author, a library event planner, and a board member and agent liaison for Pitch Wars. Uh, Just a reminder, you can subscribe to email reminders by clicking on the link in the description so you don't miss a show. You can also follow Twitter on follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Pub Talk Live. And if you'd like to support the show, you can find a link to the Patreon near the end of the video description down below. Hello, Laura. Hello, Danny. I'm so glad y'all could join us. Thank you, Danny, for the comment on my lighting. It's the same as usual. I don't know. <laughs> but um, thank you. All right, we're gonna bring on our guest author today. So today is author. Journey. So Author Journeys features an author talking about their experiences with publication, but we always, we also still do the news items because I know y'all love to get your updates. All right. Today's um, guest is Gail Z. Martin, aka Morgan Bryce. Morgan Bryce is the romance pen name of best-selling author Gail Z. Martin. Morgan writes urban fantasy MM paranormal romance with plenty of action, adventure, and supernatural thrills to go with the happily ever after. Gail writes epic and urban fantasy with less romance and more explosions. So please welcome Gail slash Morgan to the show. Hello. Hello. I just realized I need to turn my watch notifications Sarah, off because I can't I'm... hear you. Oh no. <laughs> okay, you can now hear I can me. Hear you. Okay, good. Okay. Now I couldn't hear you at first, but we're good now. That's weird. Okay, cool. Cool. I'm glad we're good. Um, all right. Hello, everyone. So if you didn't vote in the viewer poll, I'm gonna drop a link in the chat there and we will discuss it at the end of the episode. It's about choose your own adventure books. Um, I wasn't going to do a, a viewer poll today because I couldn't think of one. And then I was like scrolling Twitter and someone was talking about choose your own adventure books. And I was curious as to whether people were as neurotic about them as I was as a kid. So <laughs> Laura voted. Nice, nice. All right. Danny and Laura said hello to you. Hello, hello. I think you know Laura from Coastal Magic Convention. I do. I love that you're on the show because I I think I told you a while back, but I do a spinoff show called Agent Chat Live where I interview mm-hmm. a literary agent. And one of the questions that I that someone asked, I think someone in the comments asked, is like, uh, what published author would you like to work with if you could? Like if you know they left their agent, their agent left the business or whatever. And you had the chance to work with them. And Matt Belford said you. Oh, really? <laughs> Yeah. Flattered. Thank you. Yeah. So I feel like it's having you on the show is like full circle. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that was very nice of him. That that sweet. Thank you. All right. So we're going to dive into the news. We got a lot of news this week. I'm sure I missed some because it's been it's been uh, some weeks. It's been a couple of weeks. (laughs) Sorry. Yeah. Danny said Matt did. Yeah. I think you were here for that. Okay. So this is a update of um, some things that we've talked about previously. The American Book Association has sent a letter to its members following the two issues that we discussed 
last month. Um, as a reminder, one was the inclusion of a really badly anti-trans book in their box mailing to members, and the other was using the wrong cover for the YA anthology Blackout on their bestseller list. Um, they used Candace Owens' Blackout, which if, you, which if you know anything about Candace Owens, is 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 problematic at best, right? Um, so for the former, they state that they have never screened titles for inclusion in the box, and it has always been a pay-to-play situation. So they just kind of took payment, put the bo books in the box, and never looked at them, I guess. Going forward, they will exclude titles that meet the United Nations criteria for hate speech, which this book does. As for the book cover, they say that a staff member created the list while filling in for a vacationing staff member who usually creates the list and searched for the title instead of the ISBN, which is their usual practice, and that resulted in the error. They are instituting more training as well as an audit, hiring two new positions, donating $5,000 to the Transgender Legal Defense and Education Fund, and purchasing 600 copies of Blackout for the author's to distribute as they wish. So um, they're doing quite a bit to, to make up for this. So hopefully we see some change. Uh, as with all of the news items, you can read more about this. The link uh, with more info is going to be in the description right after the show ends. So any of these topics, you can read more about them if you want to know more about them. So yeah, that was a lot. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Well, let's see. I guess I'm up next. And uh, Hello Sunshine, Reese Witherspoon's media business, has been sold to a firm backed by a private equity group called Blackstone, not to be confused with the publisher of the same name. It's the first acquisition for a media venture that will be run by two former Disney executives. Reese and Hello Sunshine chief executive Sarah Harden will join the board of the new company and will continue to run Hello Sunshine. And a link will be provided. Yeah. And Reese... Um book club like she does the book club selections and they have let's say made a couple books so um that's why i think it's important for us to kind of watch this to see if that changes at all because she she had a habit of selecting kind of interesting books diverse books that a lot of other lists weren't picking so we'll see what happens <laughs> All right, so with the Delta variant surge, Hachette has reversed its July announcement to return to in-person work in September. They are postponing the reopening of their offices and haven't set a new date. They're also requiring any employee coming into the office to be vaccinated and wear a mask. Simon & Schuster is making similar changes by CBS is their, um, their, their parent company, and so it's a company-wide thing. Um, yeah, so we're probably going to see a couple more of these announcements coming up with uh, all the surges that are happening. And in further COVID-related news, VoucherCon, which was to begin August 25th, was canceled on August 4th after a slew of author cancellations. It was set to take place in New Orleans, which is a huge COVID hotspot right now. Yeah, yeah, I saw a whole bunch of authors canceling that first week of August, and I was like, they're not going to have any panels left. No. <laughs> yeah. All right, so Time reported on issues on Goodreads, including extortion scams and review bombing. Uh, the extortion scams included demands for authors to pay for good reviews or be inundated with bad ones. Authors who speak out on social issues or industry controversies often see hundreds of negative reviews 
on their books, which is called review bombing. Goodreads responded to Time with kind of vague statements that they are, quote, assessing all available options. But authors claim this has been an issue for a while. I feel like anyone who's been around the community has known that this is an issue for a while. And Goodreads has been very slow to respond when it's happening. So um, I don't know, maybe Time doing a whole article about it may spur some change. <laughs> but <laughs> at this point, I don't have a whole lot of hope. <laughs> And in June, the CEO of Scholastic, M. Richard Robinson Jr., died suddenly. His will didn't leave control of the publisher to his sons, siblings, or ex-wife, as expected, but to Scholastic's chief strategy officer, Ayla Lucchisi. In the will, he called her my partner and closest friend, and the family said they had been romantic partners for a long time. Yeah, this is a this was like a big surprise, a big shock, and I'm glad that you got this one because I had no idea how to say her name. <laughs> I didn't either, so hopefully it's right. <laughs> it sounded good. Um, yeah, and, and this this is like, oh, it's it's caused a lot of like uncertainty and people aren't really sure. People are really spies, shall we say. Which is funny because the audiobook of the week has a similar theme, actually. <laughs> I just realized. All right. Um, Penguin Random House and inaugural poet Amanda Gorman have launched a new poetry award focused on public high school students with a $10,000 first place prize. It's called the Amanda Gorman Award for Poetry and submissions open on October 1st. So if you know any high school poets, you may want to send them a link and have them check it out. And uh, James Patterson is famous for co-writing books with both celebrities and unknown writers, but his newest partnership is with none other than Dolly Parton. Dolly will be simultaneously releasing an album of 12 original songs inspired by the book. I've seen so much chatter about this in all my Facebook groups <laughs> the last couple of days. Uh, people have like really strong feelings about James Patterson. <laughs> And that a lot of people have negative, strong feelings about James Patterson, but everyone has like really positive feelings about Dolly Parton. I feel like people are really struggling, <laughs> but um, I think it's fun. I think it's great news. Um, all right. As a librarian, or not a librarian, but a library worker, I also know James Patterson is really great for reluctant readers. So any, but any, anything that gets people reading, I'm in support mm -hmm. of. All right, our last piece of news. This one is a bit of a whirlwind. I will try to sum it up as quickly as possible. Um, so the RWA gave a Vivian Award to a book featuring a romantic lead who was a captain at Wounded Knee, um, which was a massacre of nearly 300 mostly unarmed Lakota people, including women, children, and elderly in 1890. I explain that because I was actually at a party while this was happening, while the conversation was happening. And um, I kept kept checking Twitter and I like was explaining what happened and I was at a party and like no one knew what one dude knee was really so, yeah, so I feel like I have to explain it now um so at first they released a statement that seemed to defend the decision saying that redemptive arcs due to quote crimes against humanity were an important part of Christian romance conventions they then published another statement rescinding the award it's still kind of a mess um I actually wrote the first link that you're going to get. There are three links for this one. Um, I wrote a, a roundup of of kind of the initial issue at Book Riot um, the, the Sunday night after it happened, which um, I was really happy to see became kind of like the, the link that everyone is sharing around to help people understand what was going on. Um, but then the, the other two links will be the two statements from RWA. So many members are leaving RWA 
and chapters are seeking to dissociate after this most recent issue. This is kind of a, like a long ongoing thing of mistake after mistake and issue after issue. And um, so this is kind of the last straw for a lot of people. We'll see what happens. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Um, thank you, Laura. Laura, that was a great article. I tried. I really, really went over that one because I knew like if I made even the smallest mistake, people would use it to like discount the whole article. So even though I was writing it literally at 4 a.m., like <laughs> I tried to be really careful about it. All right. Yeah. So go check that out if you're interested in that. If you're not familiar with some of the previous issues with RWA, those are actually actually linked in the article in the opening paragraph. There's a whole bunch of back info. So yeah. All right. And now we're going to switch over to the author interview portion. I touched my glasses and got them all smeary. Um, <laughs> all right. So we're going to talk to Gail slash Morgan about her author journey, um, her experience as an author. Uh, if you're in the comments and you want to ask a question, feel free to ask a question too. But I have a lot of questions here. All right. Um, so let's start, start kind of all the way at the beginning. When and why did you decide that you wanted to be an author? Um, you know, I, I've always loved reading. I, I grew up with books. I was a voracious reader as a kid. And I remember being around 13 or 14 when it kind of occurred to me that where did books come from? Well, people wrote them and these weren't people who were like selected by fate to become authors. They were just people who had stories to tell. And that was the first time it kind of occurred to me that writing a book was sort of like a job and I could do that like any other job. And so then I decided that I, I wanted to write books and that pretty much set the course from there on. Um, I, I majored in history and took all the medieval history that I could because I knew I wanted to write epic fantasy. And then um, I also liked to have regular meals and keep a roof over my head. So I did an MBA in marketing so that I could afford typing paper, uh, printer paper. And um, I've, I've often said that the annual reports that I wrote were some of my best fiction. Uh, you know, <laughs> marketing is just a different type of fiction. So uh, that's really how I ended up deciding I wanted to be an author. It took much longer than I expected to actually work its way out because along, along the way there were jobs and got married and had kids and changed jobs and moved and, you know, life kept getting in the way and the manuscript would go back in the drawer for a while and it would come back out and you know, I'd, I'd polish it up a little more and go back in the drawer for a while. So, you know, it was one of those 20 years to overnight success kind of things. Yeah. Yeah. So that's actually kind of the next question. Do you want to go into a little more detail about what your journey to publication looked like from there? Um, did you get a literary agent? You know, what was your first publication deal like? That kind of thing. Sure. Well, I was the same age as my main character in my first book, um, The Summoner. And Tris is 19 in that book. I was 19. I was 45 when it got published. So never give up. Um, I did get a literary agent because at the time, uh, this was, The Summoner came out in 2007. So the back end arrangements were being made in 2005, 2006. 
publishing was a very different place. We really didn't have uh, anything like we do now in terms of the ease of creating self-published books with the same quality as a traditional published books. You didn't have Kindle, you didn't have KDP, you didn't have all the tools that we have now. And so I went through the meat grinder of uh, looking for an agent, got a slew of rejections, and finally uh, did end up with an agent who had originally um, rejected me and I forgot that he had rejected me. So I <laughs> up my cover letter and sent it out, not remembering that he'd already, you know, sent me a postcard that said, doesn't meet our needs. Um, but this time, whether it was the better uh, query letter or just the fact that he had a place to put the book with a publisher, it worked. And so I've been with that agent ever since. Uh, he's been fantastic, really been a tremendous part of uh, my career. And I value that relationship very, very much. But uh, that that really got it started with, uh, I, I was actually, the summoner was the um, the launch in the launch book for the Solaris Books imprint, which at the time was mm. being run by uh, Warhammer over in England. And they had a um, they had an imprint, Black Library, that was tied in with their gaming, but they wanted to run uh, another. They wanted to start another imprint that was completely original fantasy that was not gaming related, and they wanted a classic epic quest fantasy, and that's exactly what the Chronicles of the Necromancer was. So it was it was a great opportunity. Uh, it was a great situation of being in the right place at the right time with the right book. Awesome. Very cool. Um, all right. So what was kind of the first major bump that you hit along the way and how did you handle it? Hmm. Well, I would say that probably the first bump was when um, Warhammer decided to um, sell Solaris. Um. And, you know, they, they incredibly and amazingly came to the conclusion that publishing fiction was not as profitable as publishing gaming. <laughs> Go figure. Um, and <laughs> so it was up in the air for a long time. And the third book in the series, uh, Dark Haven, was set to come out. And we didn't know what the status was going to be. Uh, I'm sorry. The um, fourth book in this, fifth book in the series, The Sworn, was uh, due to come out. And we didn't know what was going on with the publisher. Mm -hmm. And so uh, Orbit Books, which is a division of Hachette, uh, made a bid and we went with them because we didn't know how long the other situation was going to last. So uh, the last two books in the series came out from Hachette. Um, and while they are the fifth and sixth book in the Chronicles of the Necromancer series, Orbit insisted on giving them a spiffy new title that was unique to them called um, the Fallen King cycle, which I continue to have to explain to people to this day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, they're really books five and six of the other series. Trust me on that. Um, not one of maybe the best um, marketing decisions. I understand they wanted a little piece of it that was their own, but that continues to be an obstacle mm -hmm. for people finding complete series. You know, they think they're done and you go, did you read the last two books? There are two more books. Yes, they've been out for 10 years. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Um, that is is pretty rare to split a series over to um, publishers, though. So obviously, they saw some value in that. Laura, there, it is, it's, 
It's my niece's bedtime lullabies that you're picking up. <laughs> Sorry, it's in the other room. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so then uh, when and why did you decide to go hybrid and start self-publishing some of your own books? Um, number of different reasons. One was that there was a lot of churn in the editorial department at the major publishers. And this isn't any surprise to anybody who follows the industry. And so I did six books with Orbit in six years, and I had three different editors. And for two and a half of those years, I didn't have an editor because they were hiring someone in between the departures and arrivals. That's really no way to run a railroad. Um, it, it really takes away from anybody who has an investment in your book. Uh, it takes away your champion. It takes away um, somebody who has um, industry knowledge and industry connections and can not only proof for typos, but also give you advice on what has worked well for other authors or how they have mentored other authors or what they have seen work or not work. And that was just missing. And that was a big piece of it. Um, I, I just wasn't finding that to be helpful. And I, I thought it was actually unhelpful. Plus, um, publishers have this idea that readers are only going to read one book from an author in a year and you could overwhelm them with books if you brought out more than that. Now, my readers tell me they read between 100 and 200 books a year. I'm fast, but I'm not that fast. I mean, even if they read my whole back catalog over again, they still have plenty of room for extras. So I, um, I, I had a lot of ideas for books that I wanted to write and I didn't wanna to have to fight the gatekeepers on them. And I didn't want to have to bring out one book a year for the next millennia. And I found that I could hire editors and copy editors and uh, cover artists who used to work for the big publishers and were now at large and freelance and just as good as they ever were. So I think that's part of the real renaissance that we're seeing in independent publishing is that it's entirely possible to put out a book of equivalent and sometimes better uh, quality to what comes out of the big houses because you're working with the same caliber of talent. All right. And it seems like you've really enjoyed kind of your hybrid journey. How do you feel about that decision that you made? Oh, it was 100% the, the best decision. Um, you know, sometimes you make decisions because you are very frustrated where you are. And while it's uncomfortable and upsetting in the moment being frustrated, it's so much better when you're on the other side of it. And so uh, my husband and I are both in the business full time and that that enables us to bring the books out as quickly as we do. Uh, he mm -hmm. does, in addition to a lot of the brainstorming and, and working with me on the actual writing and, and we do collaborate on everything regardless of the name that's on the cover. He also does a lot of the back end with the the uh, tracking royalties and, and just a lot of the stuff that if I had to do that, we'd get fewer books out every year. So it is our cottage industry <laughs> for the family. And um, that's that's been wonderful. Um, it's also just great to be able to get an idea, fall in love with something and run with it, which is how Morgan Bryce happened. Um, I, I neglected to mention Morgan Bryce 
to my agent until Badlands uh, was sporting a number one be uh, bestseller <laughs> banner. And I was starting to get offers from uh, major audiobook companies, at which point I called my agent and said, um, I did a thing. And <laughs> can, can you follow up with them on the audio rights? At which point um, he stepped in graciously and did, and it's worked out well for all of us. Mm, that's good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Ideally, your agent would want to know about that before him. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Well, you know, <laughs> I wasn't sure how it was going to go when it started. Mm -hmm. it, it was kind yeah. of this, um, this passion project, and I didn't know if it was going to work. I didn't know mm -hmm. if my readers uh, from the Gale and Gale and Larry books would follow me over to Mail Mail Paranormal Romance. I didn't know if my readers of Mail Mail Paranormal Romance were going to follow back to the Gale stuff. And since mm -hmm. all of the modern uh, books that are Gale, Gale and Larry or uh, Morgan all cross over with each other, there's also been a tremendous crossover with readers who, you know, read more than one thing, amazingly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, big surprise to everybody except the readers. Um, said, <laughs> oh, yeah, I read that stuff too. And so it, it has turned into this big expanded universe, which is easier for me to keep track of because I can't run, I have 12 current series right now. I can't keep track of 12 completely separate universes. So <laughs> but it's like fun where all the, you know, so many of the characters know each other and show up in each other's books and, and are resources and friends to each other. And that to me is just fun. And I, I hear from the readers that they're having fun with it too. Yeah, for sure. Um, Jen from Coastal Magic has, has shown up, said sorry Hi, I'm late. So Gail and I actually met through Coastal Magic. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> All right. So what are some of the major challenges of being a hybrid author? Like if someone's considering doing it, what would you let them know um, to prepare for? Well, you know, it, it's an interesting question because people assume that when you're traditionally published that the, um, the publisher does all this magnificent marketing stuff for you and uh, you, you have a personal assistant who runs your social media for you and, and sets up your book signings and that happens to the 1% of tippy top bestsellers. Uh, that is not the average author experience, certainly not the average new author experience or the midlist author experience. And so it isn't nearly like you see on TV, what is, where even when you are working with a traditional publisher, you're still the one setting up your appearances wherever they are, bookstores or conventions or libraries or whatever. You're the one ordering your marketing materials. You're the one writing your marketing stuff uh, and your social media. So in that sense, being hybrid is really just a matter of degree in terms of how much time it takes you. Now you also have to hire an editor and or a copy editor, line up your beta readers and your ARC readers and um, format your book and, and hire a cover artist that's really not that hard once you make the right connections with people and you make those connections by seeing what's working for other authors and asking them for recommendations. So it is a business. You have to keep track of your income and expenses. Uh, you want to stay on the right side of the tax people. And so 
you have to approach it like a business and look at where you're making investments, where you're spending money, whether or not you're getting a return on that investment. And if so, if not, do something different. But, um, and, and so of course a publisher does those things for you. On the other hand, a publisher also tells you what you can and can't bring out and how fast you can bring it out and uh, might overrule you on key things in a plot or storyline that you feel strongly about for whatever reason. And they're not always right. And so you have that freedom to bring out what you want, when you want it, and not be beholden to listen to an editor who says, oh, I think you should cut this entire storyline. Um, you don't have to listen to them. You can weigh it and decide whether or not they're, they're making a, a good input and whether or not that would help the book. But sometimes you and an editor or a publisher can be coming at a book from entirely different vantage points. And when that happens, um, in a traditional setting, the author loses. And since it's your book and your name on the line and your career, you really don't want to have that happen. And so I like the freedom and control that we've been able to have. Um, and I'm very proud of the quality of book that we put out. All right, we have a comment um, from Dojo. Is this DeLorean maybe? I'm not sure. I'm currently reading through everything now. It's been great fun. I'm Thank making you. a spreadsheet as I go, Gail. <laughs> You're welcome to it if you want. <laughs> yes, I would love that because if it is Glorianne, um, she actually caught, I have a, a timeline pinned to the top of both of my reader groups. And I have, we have a reader group for the Gail and Gail and Larry stuff that isn't romance. And then we have the Morgan Bryce reader group. And a lot of people belong to both, but pinned to the top of each is a timeline because some readers really like to read books in the in-world uh, chronological order, not necessarily mm -hmm. publication order, but um, in the world, what came before what? And that isn't always the order in which you write them. And so I had this whole, I had worked out the whole timeline and DeLorean found some uh, places I had made a mistake. So I, I need to update my timeline based on her timeline. So yes, I really appreciate that spreadsheet. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, okay, so my Patreon supporters can submit questions ahead of time for guests. And so it looks like it is DeLorean said yes. <laughs> yep. Um, so this one is from Danny. Uh, he asked, how would you define the difference between paranormal and supernatural? And we're both assuming those are the genres. <laughs> so yes. Paranormal and supernatural. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not entirely sure that there is that big of a shade of meaning other than what publishers marketing teams have bestowed uh you know we we refer to it as paranormal romance or paranormal mystery in which what and what we mean by that is that there are elements of the supernatural in the book so that might be mm -hmm. magic or ghosts or psychics or you know monsters vampires whatever it is so i'm not sure it's really that much of a difference it's just really the nomenclature of, of how publishers originally started classifying books, which had more to do with what shelf to put them on in a bookstore or a library than it really did anything else. Mm -hmm. um, and, and of course, 
you know, cross-genre books are so common now and so much fun to write. But back in the day, you know, I've, I've heard major authors like Laurel K. Hamilton talk about getting turned down initially by publishers because they said they, they wouldn't know what shelf to put her on. And now they just give her her entire shelf. You know, <laughs> she has her own shelf. Yeah. She has her own shelf. She has her own bookcase in a, in a store. Um, but um, that I don't, I don't really think it's a, a major difference between the two. Paranormal things have supernatural stuff happening in them. Yeah, I agree. I I think really the answer is like supernatural is what you call it when someone says they don't want paranormal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or you know, if they're really skittish, you can call it magical realism. Yeah. That's all right, we contemporary fantasy, they're all the yeah. same. Um, all right. So we have a question from Laura in the comments. Since you write a lot of paranormal urban fantasy fantasy, what is your favorite supernatural creature? Uh you know, I really love ghosts. I, I think ghosts are fascinating. There, there's, there may or may not be some retention of a memory of being human. And the ones that do remember are, I think, the most interesting. Uh, and not just a jump scare to, you know, make you, make you scream. But I, as, a, as a character in a book, or a plot device, ghosts are so versatile and they can do so many things and be so different book to book and yet still present a major difficulty for uh, characters. But I've also had ghosts who were not only helpful, but I, I've had ghosts that served as spies and messengers and allies. And so you can really go a lot of different directions with ghosts depending on how you set up your world building. Oh, yeah, that's fun. Laura said, oh, I don't hear ghosts mentioned too often. Super fun. Yeah, that's that's true. I feel like usually we get answers like werewolves and vampires and dragons, which would be my answer. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> all right. Uh, okay. So can you tell us about Continual and what you're doing over there? Sure. Continual is the uh, online ongoing multi-genre convention that never ends. And right now it is primarily a Facebook group, but we're in the process of building out the website. Uh, we're also on, on Twitch and Discord and YouTube. And when I say we, we have an operating committee of about eight other author friends. And if you know me, you uh, and, and Jennifer and Dorian can, can snicker at this. Uh, I'm, I'm the friend that will call you up and say, so I did a thing, sort of like <laughs> I did my agent with the Morgan Bryce name. And I was at uh, Disney World with my family when the world shut down last March, in mm -hmm. March of 2020. Mm -hmm. We were actually supposed to go on a cruise the next day. And oh, no. uh, that didn't happen. Mm. So I was looking at this going, all right, this is going to cancel a lot of stuff. And people still are going to need to get together. And my friends and I had been talking about how we would love to create an online space where we could draw readers and authors and performers and vendors and the, the whole con group together, but in a way that transcended a lot of the barriers that you have with physical conventions. So, you know, we'll have romance conventions and over here are sci-fi conventions, and then there are mystery conventions and comics conventions. But there are very few events um, that, that really combine all of them. And 
so what we wanted to do was create an online place where the, the authors and the readers and the other people involved in fandom um, could be with each other, create content, and hang out together without the barriers of travel and expense and taking time off. And, you know, some people don't like to be in big crowds. Uh, some people can't travel. We wanted to transcend all of that. And I've been saying since I came over to the, the romance side of things and, and came uh, from the epic fantasy and urban side of things, hey, you guys, the romance authors really know what they're doing on social media. Oh my God, they're, they're so good at this stuff. We need to you know, look at what they're doing and bring the best elements back over to fantasy. And so this was, we've been talking about it for a while. And this was like, well, nobody's going anywhere for a while. We might as well do it now. So I set up, I, I reserved the name right there, sitting in my hotel room. And then I texted people and said, so I did a thing. You guys want to come play? And they did. And so, um, you know, we have a wonderful operating committee and uh, we meet every week and set up programming and work out the, uh, you know, logistics of things. So far in a year, we have done over 300 panels and we have had uh, close to 400 unique authors and performers and guests. So that's a heck of a lot of programming in a year. And we, we do science fiction and fantasy. We do romance and mystery and horror. We have a comics track. We do fandom stuff. Um, I run the Supernatural track because I'm a best fan. Um, but we're also going to be doing some panels on Lucifer and Buffy and, and Daredevil and a number of other properties. Um, we've had live performances. We've had author readings. We've had launch parties. Um, and it has really become... Uh, we have over 1,700 members now. We're, you know, seeing a nice steady increase, and and it's a very active participation. Uh, our, our members like and comment and and react, and and so it really does feel like a, you know, like an online con space. And unlike um, some events that have done a virtual convention because they aren't meeting in person, and it only lasts for three or four days, if that, this really is. The online convention that never ends we have no plans to end it you know anytime soon um our, our plan is to run with it as long as we can and it's been wonderful we've been able to bring in authors from all over the world which you can't do um you know it, it's cost prohibitive in a real space we've been able to get people together from all different time zones and people who normally don't travel even in normal times and so we aren't limited by the, the kind of geography that usually makes a, a regional convention mean you're going to see the same people, which is very nice. I love that. But we're able to bring some some new people that maybe you never saw in your corner of the world before. Um, and we're all just having a blast with it. Cool. Very cool. Um Okay. Yeah. Thank you, Laura. So hi, Savannah. I'm glad you could join us. It's called Contenual. The link is actually in the description. Um, or it should be, I thought it was, but maybe it's not. It's definitely in the Patreon announcement. Um, so I will add it tonight. It looks like it's not there right yeah, now. Yeah, it's but... basically facebook.com slash group slash continual. Yeah. Um, the link was in the Patreon announcement, but, uh, and the newsletter as well, if you get that. I don't know if you get that or not, um, but I'll add it to the description after we're done. Um, 
All right. Uh, Laura is very excited about the Lucifer panel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I got to watch the most recent season. I haven't seen it yet. I'm like, I, I don't know. I feel like I'm delaying because I don't want it to end. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So uh, now we're going to ask you the last question, but we still have audiobook of the week and viewer poll to go through too. Um, but this is a question I ask every guest. And my question is, what is the most important book you've ever read and why, with you defining important however you want to? Boy, that is hard because there are so many books that are important in different ways. So, you know, that that's a tough one. But I think overall, I'm going to say Mercedes Lackey's um, The Last Herald Mage series was just... Um, it's one of those series where even though I read it a very long time ago, the characters have never ceased to be real and um, have never ceased to be real. And, and I've never felt that the emotions that, that I felt in that as I read it have dimmed over the years. And I can't say that about a lot of other books. While I have enjoyed the journey on a lot of other books, that series remains fresh and bright in my mind decades later. And that's pretty special. Awesome. That's really cool. Yeah, Mercedes Lackey was definitely um, partially responsible for getting my sister interested in reading and books. So, mm -hmm. yeah. All right. Well, Gail, thank you so much. We are still going to do the, the audiobook of the week and the viewer polls. So let's get into that. Um, the audiobook of the week, I, I mentioned it was related to the scholastic <laughs> news item that we had earlier. So now I don't know if anyone guessed what it is, but it's the Inheritance Games by Jennifer Lynn Barnes, uh, narrated by Christy Moreau. Um, this is like the kind of little description that I got from shortening the publisher's description. Avery Graham's fortune changed in an instant when billionaire Tobias Hawthorne dies and leaves Avery virtually his entire fortune. But Avery has no idea why or even who Tobias Hawthorne is. Um, it was such a good audio. And there's a whole family that is, of course, expecting to inherit and then they don't and she's having to deal with them. And there's like puzzles and stuff. I did realize um, actually, the in our book right Slack, they were just talking about this yesterday. A lot of people thought it was fantasy because of the cover, because it has like plants and some like jewelry that looks like it might be royal jewelry or something like that. It's not. It's contemporary. It's completely contemporary. I mean, they're billionaires, so it's like kind of fantasy land. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, it was really fun. I had a lot of fun listening to it. Um, it was. Uh, I so every now and then I'll like take a look at the bestseller list and I'll be like, what's been on the bestseller list for a long time that I haven't read? And this was one of those um, that I was like, oh shit, I should read this, you know? And I really enjoyed it. So yeah, a lot of people thought it was fantasy at first. And there was another one. I forgot what it is that they were talking about book, right? That everyone thought was fantasy. Anyway. Um, yeah. So check it out. <laughs> billionaire fantasy genre yeah <laughs> all right uh let me get that off the screen so we can do the viewer poll so let me pull this up there we go so my question was when you read choose your own adventure books did you a be at peace with your decisions 
B, go back and choose differently until you are happy. Or C, read every possible solution. And I am so pleased that 64% of people were very similar to me and then they read every possible solution. <laughs> I made flow charts when I was a kid, like making sure that I got all of them in there. About 29% said they'd go back and choose differently until you were happy, which is something that I've heard, especially people do in like story-based games. They'll do that. Um, and then 7.5% of people, so I, I'm having trouble doing the math on that, of 80 people. Anyway, a, a, a decent number of people just were at peace with their decisions, just read, chose their adventure, and then stopped which I don't understand at all, <laughs> but you must have like such low anxiety if you do that. Um, but I just thought that was cool. Uh, and I, like I said, I didn't really have a question for today. And then I, um, I saw someone tweeting about choose your own adventure books and I was like, Oh, I wonder what people did. Um, let's see. Uh, Danny said, I actually was A and C. I was very much like, yay, my true ending, but what could have been? <laughs> yeah, and what, what you don't realize is that for an author, every book is a choose your own adventure because you get to decide among many possibilities of how the book will end. Uh, and sometimes you get to two thirds or three quarters of the way through thinking you know where it's going, like, but wait, uh, wait, that changes everything. Yeah. And now you have to change the ending or go back and change the book or whatever. But yeah, choose your own ending is just called writing a book. Savannah said, I read choose your own adventure books like normal once and then read it like it's supposed to just so I, so you read all the way through from page one to the end and then made your choices. That's so funny. That would be so confusing. I know. Laura said I always died. Yeah, you said that on Twitter. That's funny. Um, well, if you remember the old movie Clue, it had like three different endings. And mm -hmm. or it could have happened, but what really happened. And yeah. so it was it was sort of a choose your own adventure movie. Yeah, I remember a tweet going viral a couple of years ago where someone was like, someone should publish a book that has like five different endings, but that's, but no one knows, like they don't tell anyone. And so people are like discussing the book in book clubs and online or whatever. And then like, but there are different endings. <laughs> so have five different printed versions. But yeah. Wow. Yeah. That was so funny. Um, yeah. So I just thought it was fun. Interesting. I definitely remember reading them. Someone did point out in their replies um, that those books did tend to be really short. So mm -hmm. you you really could go back and read everything. I wonder what they would be like if it was like really long. Um, yeah. All right. I think that <laughs> Laura. Laura said there was an episode of Black Mirror that was choose your own adventure. I died in that too. <laughs> well, if it was Black Mirror, there probably weren't any good endings. So, <laughs> um, All right. Gail, thank you so much for joining me today and chatting with me. Well, thank you so much for having me. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah, of course. Um, so I'm just going to do the closing announcements and then um, I'll see you in a minute.
All right. Thank you everyone for watching today. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to like and subscribe so you don't miss another episode. And also tell your friends because that's how they find out about shows like this. Reminder, you can subscribe to email in the um, links in the description and find us on social media and also find the Patreon down there. You can also find links to Gail's website and I'm going to add that continual link in just a minute as well as the links for all the news items. Um, thank you so much to my Patreon sponsors, supporters. You're going to see their names at the end of the broadcast. Always appreciate you. We're still doing Wednesday write-ins every Wednesday at 8 p.m. So if you have anything you want to come work on, come join us at 8 o'clock for some structured writing time and also some like chatting time. And then um, Corey's Plums and Quirks came out this week with Adriana Cuevas. So that is a podcast where authors talk about their journey from first spark to day of publication and read their successful query letter for you. Adriana got her agent through a conference pitch. So she actually did the conference pitch for us. Um, all right. <laughs> I don't know what's happening in the comments, but I'll read it in a minute. Thank you so much, everyone. And everyone stay safe, wash your hands, wear a mask. We'll see you next time. If you're enjoying this show, please check out my other podcast, Queries, Qualms, and Quirks. Queries, Qualms, and Quirks asks published authors to share their successful query letter and discuss their journey from first spark to day of publication. I interview authors of all genres about how they got started writing, getting their book deal, and their experiences with publication. Search for it on your favorite podcast app.